Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Have you ever dreamed of one day owning your own business, but just don't know where to begin? Then you've tuned into the right show. On all things franchising, you will hear from top national franchisers, successful franchisees, attorneys, CPAs, and others who support this fast-growing business model. So grab a cup of coffee and pen and notepad because you will want to capture the invaluable information you hear on today's show. And now, here is your host, Linda Ballesteros. Welcome to All Things Franchising. This is Linda Ballesteros. I am your host today. Thanks so much for finding some time in your busy day to spend with me. I know that we all have very um, busy schedules. And um, even though the summer is just right around the corner, I know that we still have the kiddos to get to and from school. So I appreciate your time today. Recently read an article on uh, entrepreneur.com. And the title of the article was, why the franchise industry will boom in 2021. And for those of you listening to the recording, this is May the 27th of 2021. Um, The article um, had um, subtitle was after months of forced closures and record high unemployment, the U.S. is ready to for an economic recovery and the franchise industry is uniquely positioned to lead the way. And you may wonder, why is that? Why is the franchise industry ready to lead the way? So that is going to be our topic today. My guest is Dr. John Hayes. Dr. Hayes has been a franchisee, a franchisor, and for more than 30 years, an advisor to franchise companies internationally. He is also a highly accomplished author of several franchise-related books, Uh, Today, he is the Titus Professor for Franchise Leadership and Director of the Titus Center for Franchising at the Palm Beach Atlantic University in West Palm Beach, Florida, where he created their franchise curriculum. Please help me in welcoming Dr. John Hayes to the show. Dr. Hayes, welcome to the show. Thank you, Linda. I appreciate being here. I'm looking forward to it. I am so glad that you're here because I love this topic. And when I read that title, I just thought, wow, how powerful is that? Before we get started on, you know, what's ahead of us for 2021, tell me a little bit about your history, Dr. Hayes, how you got into franchising and how you came about creating this whole curriculum for the university. Well, it was a long time ago, and it was by accident, which is kind of a funny story. <clears throat> I was a um, college professor, Temple University in Philadelphia. My background was in nonfiction writing. I was the head of the magazine writing program. Uh, I was in my 20s and uh, making no money as a college professor. Uh, great, great job to have, but not if you have a family and you plan to make 
uh, money, uh, you're not going to as a college professor. And I was quickly learning that. So fortunately, I could write. And so I would freelance um, all kinds of articles and and books and uh, decided that I would help people who had a business promote their business through a book. Because if you write a book, um, the media uh, will say that you're an expert. And keep in mind, you don't have to be just because you wrote a book. Uh, you write a book, you're an expert. And the media will give you all kinds of attention. And that happened to me. I wrote Franchising the Inside Story. But it was uh, reluctantly because I knew nothing about franchising. I had no interest in franchising. But a franchisor called me and said, I really would like help uh, writing a book about my business. And um, his business was cooperative direct mail advertising, which is those the coupons that come to your house right. in an envelope. And mm-hmm. I couldn't make any sense of why would I write a book about that? Well, it came around to the book is not about his business. The book is about franchising, why people buy them and how you should buy them and what kind of homework you have to do and how the United States government supports um, people buying franchising and how you can get money to buy a franchise. So I ended up writing that book thinking, and I'd already written several books and and just thinking, okay, this is just one of, uh, they paid me $10,000 to write the book. That was a lot of money back then, I'm sure. That was a lot of money because I was only making about uh, $14,000 or $15,000 as a college professor. So I was boosting my income by writing these books. And I thought, you know, this it, it'll I'll write it, it'll get published, um, nothing will come of it, and I'll, you know, I'll, I'll move on to the next book. And um, that the book Franchising Inside Story just never went away. Lots of the other books, I would write them, they would get published, there'd be a little bit of flurry of activity. And then How to Win Productivity in Manufacturing, that's one of my books that I wrote for $10,000, and, um, but, you know, it's it, it served a purpose for the guy who owned that particular business, but nothing came, nothing changed about my life as a result of most of the books. But this mm-hmm. one, franchising the inside story, just wouldn't go away. Uh, I would be on a radio show, and the next week I'd get a call from some franchisor saying, "I heard you on the radio and wondering if you could write my uh, franchise uh, manual." to help with our training program. I wonder if you could come in and teach. wonder if you could give a speech on this or that. And, of course, I said yes to everything because I needed the money. And so before I knew it, I had a business uh, helping franchisors with their uh, marketing, promotion, and sales, sales of franchises. And the IFA found my book and got excited about it, excerpted it in franchising uh, Mag- Franchising World magazine and put me on their speaking circuit for a couple of years. And um, I, you know, and the media was telling everybody, uh, don't go away. Up next is Franchise Authority, Dr. John right. Hicks. And I would laugh thinking it only took, it took me six months to write the book. And I only knew what I learned in the six months. I interviewed a hundred people franchisors, franchise attorneys, franchisees. And um, I didn't know. I never worked for a franchise company. Uh, It was just fake media that helped me. And um, that book, by the way, last summer, the Smithsonian um, has adopted that book. It'll be in the business collection at the Smithsonian in Washington, D.C., whenever they open their 
their buildings again. Maybe they have already. Um, so that book. Wow! Congratulations! I'm sure there. I'm yeah, sure there's not was... a lot of books in there. That that's that's quite an yeah. accomplishment, especially for it yeah, to have been an accident. Good. Yes, exactly. I mean, you know, I had never been an employee of a franchise company. I I didn't even know what a franchise was. I had to look up how to spell the word. And I thought it was McDonald's, like most people think. And, yeah, it is McDonald's, but today it's 4,000 other brands as well in North America and many, many more across the world. And because of IFA and because of the clients who hired me, I started traveling throughout the world on trade missions with, um, with mailboxes, et cetera, and um, uh, I can't believe it's yogurt. Janny King, Decorating mm-hmm. Den, um, Domino's Pizza. They were all on international trade missions that, um, that I helped organize with the IFA and helped promote. And so I had access to lots of great people very early in my career. This all happened. That book came out like 1981 or so. So it was a uh, it was, you know, quite a, it was supposed to happen. I just didn't know it. <laughs> wow. wow, that's amazing. And so with your exposure now and your, um, your expanded knowledge on franchises, you became a franchisee? Yes. At one point, uh, it was late, not about the mid-80s. I thought, you know, I really don't have any credibility talking to anybody about anything in franchising. I mean, after all, I, I, I only I spent six months writing a book. That's all I knew. And I never did it. But I'm telling people franchising is the safe way to go, while non-franchise businesses fail most of the time in America. Franchise businesses, if you select the right brand, uh, they don't fail, or they're mm-hmm. unlikely to fail, depending on you know, how you go about it. But I, I had no experience, and I thought, you know, it's kind of fraudulent that I'm out there uh, beating the drum for franchising, uh, based on, you know, my book, which it was a good book, but um, very, very old now. So I uh, became a franchisee. So I, I have owned three different franchises with other people because I never wanted to operate one because mm-hmm. I was too busy writing and speaking. Um, the, the best one I owned uh, happened in uh, 1990. 1990? Yeah, 1990, I became a franchisee of Home Vesters of America, the We Buy Ugly Houses right. brand. And uh, I was living in Dallas at the time. They were based in Dallas. They needed me to do a bunch of work for them, revamping their uh, training program, rewriting their manuals, uh, doing some, helping them set up a franchisee council. And uh, it was about $80,000 worth of work. And the founder of the company said, I don't have $80,000 to pay you. And uh, I said, okay, well, I've, I've, I've done this before and kind of reluctantly. I, I'll take one of your franchises in Dallas. And they were already sold out in Dallas, but they created another one uh, for me. And uh, I think the franchise fee at the time was like $20,000. But each franchisee had to pay at least $5,000 a month for the billboard advertising which generated mm-hmm. all the leads that that was a great franchise at that time and um so that was a very profitable franchise for me to own uh with a partner 
and then the founder of We Buy Ugly Houses, Ken D'Angelo, unfortunately got a horrible cancer, and he was gone within five months. Mm. And on his deathbed, asked me to succeed him as the president and CEO of HomeFesters. Oh, wow. I said, Frank, Ken, you know, I've not, I, I've not been a franchisor. I don't – and he said, please, my family and I, we trust you. You have been a franchisee. You're on our board. You know the business. I knew nothing about real estate. I had no real estate experience. But, you know, he said it's more important that you have franchise experience. And so I uh, became uh, CEO in 1994, right about the time he died. And um, no, not 1994. I'm sorry. This all happened in 2000. I got the dates wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, 2000, I bought the franchise and went on the board. So in 2004, he died, and in and I took over. And then came 2007. They took subprime lending out of the marketplace. That meant that people could not buy houses, and right. we were in a jam financially. Uh, we ended up a fire sale on the company. I had written another book uh, that came out in 2000 called Start Small, Finish Big, and it's the story of Subway, uh, told by Fred DeLuca, co-founder of Subway, and I had been friends for many years, and uh, just so happened that he was looking for investments, and he bought, um, in 2008, he bought Homevestors from us, and and his organization took over. I stayed about eight months. And my plan was always to go back to the academic world where I think I um, am meant to be and I do the best work. Uh, I wanted to teach again. I left in 1985 from my job at Temple and said I'll be back when I can afford a college professor's salary. Mm -hmm. And uh, fortunately, I could by 2009. And then I was not – planning uh, a center for franchising. I just wanted to teach in a business school and ended up going to Kuwait in the Middle East uh, because they gave me a terrific package to teach marketing and franchising and writing, nonfiction writing, and uh, stayed until 2017 when I came back to the States because Ray Titus of United Franchise Group gave Palm Beach Atlantic University Uh, in West Palm Beach, Florida, $1.5 million to open a center dedicated to teaching undergraduates about franchising. He was constantly hiring young people for his business, a couple hundred employees in West Palm Beach, and said, uh, I would hire more of these Palm Beach Atlantic students to private university, Christian university. I'd hire more of them if they knew anything about franchising. Mm -hmm. Well, now they do. Uh, We started in 2017. Um, We have an undergraduate curriculum where students earn a concentration in franchising, 12 credit hours, including a a 90-hour internship at a franchise company. Those internships are at places like Chick-fil-A, TBC Corporation, which is Midas, Sloan's Ice Cream. All these um, franchises are based uh, in, uh, well, Chick-fil-A is based in Atlanta, but a Chick-fil-A franchisee offers one of our most popular internships. I'll generally have four to eight students 
and Chick-fil-A's internship, and the same with United Franchise Group. So uh, I created a program that as of uh, last, this past month, uh, we, uh, in the spring semester, I had 50 students in my wow. two franchise classes. And uh, it's become very popular. We started with 17 students in the fall of 2017. And here we are, uh, we had 50 students um, this past semester. So wow. we're in our fourth year. Um, we, we have some, uh, I have a terrific advisory board, franchise executives from all across the country. There are now 65 or so of them on my board. They meet twice a year on campus. And uh, we have a scholarship program, the Dwyer family out of Waco, Texas. Don Dwyer was one of my clients. Uh, they gave me $100,000 to give scholarships to students studying franchising. So has uh, Chick-fil-A. So has Fran Fund. Uh, so has United Franchise Group. I'm hoping to get about 10 of these scholarships. And then I, um, uh, a gentleman from Tampa who came to visit the campus and loves franchising gave us $300,000 that we loan to our yeah. graduates who want to buy a franchise company. Mm -hmm. uh, and so we, we, we have opportunities for our students that they won't find anyplace else. Um, practically in the world. There are so other Dr. universities Hayes, that, yeah. Mm -hmm. So Dr. Hayes, when we're looking at the, right, when we're looking at the curriculum, um, so how is this, this particular, um, I mean, what are some of the topics that are covered in your curriculum that they would not necessarily get in, say, regular business classes? Well, they won't get franchising in regular business classes, or yeah. if they do, it'll be a negative uh, spin because uh, most universities, uh, business schools, do not consider franchising a legitimate form of entrepreneurship or business. Uh, it's seen as sort of a Mickey Mouse type because, after all, you're not creating anything new. You become a Sinorama franchisee, and uh, they've already got uh, several hundred franchisees of Sinorama or Dunkin' Donuts, or uh, Midas, or whatever the brand might be, uh, you're just copying somebody else's wow. um, success. So mm -hmm. business schools have never looked favorably on franchising. Now, mm -hmm. there are about a half a dozen currently that do, because we all teach University of Maryland, Georgetown, um, Babson College, University of Louisville. Uh, there are numerous universities now that have uh, at least a franchise course, but no one offers, when you earn your business degree at Palm Beach Atlantic University, you can also earn a concentration in franchising. And that, mm -hmm. you might have a great, you might be a great marketing student, you do really well as a marketing management finance major, that's all great. And say hello to tens of thousands of others who have that same degree right. from universities across the United States, and there's nothing special about one of those mm -hmm. degrees. But when you add that you have a concentration in franchising plus a marketing degree, you will have job offers immediately. I'm trying to well, find three. There are three of my advisory board members have openings immediately. I don't have enough graduates to put into those positions. 
Well, well. So let's let's talk a little bit about this article that I read on Entrepreneur.com, where they said um, that the that the franchise uh, industry is an, a unique position to lead the way in bringing the economy back. So, what are some of the ways that you see that franchise business owners are in that unique position? We're sitting pretty, so to speak. Yeah, well, unfortunately, most people know nothing about franchising. And um, they think you have to have a million dollars, and it's all about McDonald's or Burger King, uh, or it's about owning um, 20 Applebee restaurants or something. And all mm-hmm. that is uh, part of franchising, but they don't know that you could buy a franchise for less than $25,000. And they don't know that when you buy a good franchise, they give you a roadmap, or they give you what we commonly call the system for operating the business. So it takes the guesswork out of business ownership. And that's why businesses fail. Uh, Again, business schools will tell you, well, businesses fail for lack of capital. Well, tell that to the guy who lost $300,000 that he invested in his business uh, and survived for three years and then failed. How can that be a lack of capital? Fred DeLuca had $1,000 to start a little subway chain called Subway has a submarine sandwich chain called Subway when he was 17 years old. So how could he do it for $1,000? And so many other people lose their life savings trying to open a business. Or how did uh, Mike Illich with less than $1,000 start Little Caesars Pizza when he came out of the service? Or Mary Ellen Sheets start Two Men in a Truck with a, a classified ad in a newspaper? How did this happen? It it wouldn't have happened. They wouldn't have become the international businesses that they are without franchising. Uh, So it's a way for you to to get someone else's insight. Part of the problem is here's where lack of capital does come into play. You're a new business owner. You're not a franchise. You've never owned – you've created this business, so you don't know if it's going to work. You don't know how to market it. You don't know how to advertise it. You don't know anything about customer development. So you put an ad in the newspaper thinking, well, this is, this is what I should do. Well, unfortunately, that's not what you should do. You go on radio. Sounds good, but unfortunately, that didn't work either. You go on television. Well, you're going to be out of money because you don't know what to do. And whereas right. if you buy a Sinorama franchise, they will tell you you need this many dollars to do your marketing. And here is precisely how you spend the money. No guesswork. So while you're out without a franchise trying to figure out how to make it work, spending all of your life savings, that's exactly what a franchising franchise doesn't want you to do. And you don't have to do that because if it's a good franchise, they're going to give you the roadmap. That's what Mm -hmm. franchising is about. And that's why franchising works. A problem can exist if you won't follow the system. And many franchises that do fail, fail because they refuse to follow the system, which makes no sense if you're going to spend $20,000 or $200,000 or a million dollars to buy into a franchise. Why would you ignore what they tell you to do? And yet, when I was CEO right. of Homevestors, I, I had firsthand experience with, okay, our franchise fee was $50,000. And we require you to spend at least 5000 a month on billboards. Um, and we require you to do some other things. You decided that 
that wasn't the way to go about it. And, you know, you, you lost your $50,000. But we had many franchisees who were buying more than 100 houses a year using our system. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people, mm-hmm. you know, they they buy franchises for the wrong reason. Yeah, yeah. Or or they buy the franchises, um, and I hear this um, all the time. They want to leave corporate, so they want to leave corporate um, at the first of the month, and they're thinking by the fifteenth they'll be able to draw a check yeah. because they're launching right. a business, and it yeah. just doesn't work that way. Tell you what, right. Dr. Hayes, if- I need to take a quick commercial break. And when we come back, I just have a feeling you've got some great stories that you could share with us to kind of support what we've been talking about. Would you be able to do that? Sure. Wonderful. Well, folks, we're going to take a real quick commercial break, and we will be back with more from Dr. John Hayes. Ready to update your tired old kitchen or bathroom? Then you need to call Gambone's Custom Home Improvements. Gambone's does all phases of remodeling, specializing in kitchen and bath remodels. Gambone's Custom Home Improvements is a company you can trust. Family owned and operated with an A-plus rating with a BBB. Call Gambone's today, 832-437-8898, or check them out on the web at GamboneCHI.com. That's GamboneCHI.com. Gambone's Custom Home Improvements, where you will get quality work at a quality price. Tune in every Thursday morning at 9 a.m. to Tough Talk Christian Radio with Tony Gambone. Tough Talk Christian Radio is for those who want to share and receive expressions of faith that will help you take the next step in your relationship with Christ. Listen in to hear from others about their experiences of faith and the love of Christ. Call in to share your experiences at 347-989-1363. Learn more by going to toughtalkchristianradio.com. Are you dreaming of owning your own business but just don't know where to begin? The wait is now over. Linda Ballesteros is a catalyst to becoming a business owner through franchising. Whether you are looking to create a living that will allow you to leave corporate America, change your lifestyle, allowing you to enjoy the fun things in life, or if you're looking to build a legacy that will support your family for years to come. Contact Linda today to start the process of being your own boss. Linda at EmpowerFranchiseConsulting.com, 832-640-4922. Hey, folks, welcome back to All Things Franchising. Linda Maestetos here, and my guest is Dr. John Hayes. So, Dr. Hayes, when we broke from commercial break, I asked if you happen to have some stories you could share with the audience. Yeah, there are all kinds of stories in franchising. I've been thinking during the break, what what do I want to tell you? So often, somebody starts a a business, um, and I get this all the time, and um, it, it works. Uh, they're enjoying it, and the next thing they know, two or three people have said to them, is this a franchise? I'd like to do this in my city. And Mm -hmm. that's what leads business owners to become franchisors. And I work with these people all the time because they'll contact me to say, what do I have to do to become a franchise? And in the United States, it's an onerous uh, process to become a franchisor, and you don't want to make any mistakes in that process. So, so many people um, are giving uh, people from average backgrounds or from any kind of background opportunities to become franchisees. We have nearly 4,000 brands just in North America alone. And those businesses can be, may, may cost anywhere from 
there are some, many that are under $15,000, and of course, many that are a million dollars or more. But most people spend between $150,000 and $350,000, and they get an SBA loan, or they take money out of their 401k, which they can do a legitimate rollover without penalty to fund their businesses. And that's how franchising is so poised to to uh, erupt again. I mean, we have this happen every so often when the economy sours, franchising takes over because we're giving people who don't have a job or who are sick and tired of the job they have or don't want to be transferred again, we're giving them an opportunity to have something of their own. And franchising is one of the few good ways to build your personal wealth. You're not going to do that being an employee in most situations. Yeah, sure, there are, there are employees who make a quarter of a million dollars, a million dollars, six million dollars. Of course, those kinds of jobs, but they're very few. Whereas if you're in a franchise and you're in control, you're going to build your personal wealth faster than you would as a a regular employee of a company. So franchising is on the verge of exploding. And we see people who come from uh, a a lady who was in retail, who I'm thinking about, who I did a video recording with not long ago, uh, lives here in West Palm Beach, and um, was not in franchising, was in retail. But she knew customer relationships. And one day she was looking for a business to buy, and somebody brought her Midas, you know, which we think of as muffler repair. Now it's Midas automobile repair. And, but we don't think of women running a Midas shop. You know, it's, it's a dirty, crummy, male-dominated uh, environment. Um, she saw customer service potential that she, she's not going to fix cars. She's not going to repair anything. She'll hire the people who do that. But she knew how to develop relationships with people. She did that so successfully. Um, the last I talked to her, which was about six months ago, she was opening her third Midas store wow. uh, in South Florida and said, well, you know, if I can buy 10, I'll buy 10 over a period of time. And she is a dynamo operator. You, you wouldn't think, okay, I'm a woman. I'm looking for a bit. Ah, let, me, let me take dirty automotive repair and turn that into my uh, business. But it turned out to be a great opportunity uh, for her. And so many you know, others who are in businesses that you thought, I, I, not in a thousand years would I be doing that kind of a, um, a business. It, it also, because of franchising success, it gives opportunities to people that they're not going to have um, otherwise, um, mm-hmm. I, in my book, Franchising the Inside Story, one of the greatest stories, again, was Midas, but on Long Island in New York. And the gentleman uh, uh, who owned the eight Midas shops on New York, when I interviewed him, he was 80-something years old. And he went to his Midas, one of his Midas stores every day in a chauffeur-driven limousine. And he didn't, of course, have to go to work. Uh, he had when he bought his first Midas shop many years prior, 40-some years prior, he had no money. And he said, I went in my neighborhood and begged people to loan me money to give me an opportunity to do something greater than what my father did. And his father was a uh, um, horse-drawn 
uh, milk um, wagon delivery mm-hmm. guy. And his father would say to him, Don't, you need an education. You need to get into your own business. So he bought his – he went to Midas with $5,000 short of money to, to make the – I think the, uh, he needed something like fifteen or $20,000. And he got all, as much money as he could by asking people to help him. And he was $5,000 short, went to Chicago, made his plea at Midas headquarters. They were so impressed, they said, we're going to give you the other $5,000 to help you get into a franchise. And, you know, the story then, he went on and owned all eight of them on Long Island. So, you know, that, that doesn't happen if you had to start that on your own. It's only in franchising that these kind of stories. You know, I, I, I mentioned Mary Ellen Sheets, who was a single mom, uh, several children, two sons in high school, and she needed to make extra money. And they had an old pickup truck that wasn't reliable. And one day she decided to put an ad in the newspaper, classified ad that said, if you're moving, call two men in a truck. And they were the stick figures that we see today on the sides of <laughs> two men in a truck. Mary Ellen Sheets with less than 50 bucks put an ad in the newspaper and put her two sons, those were the two men. And the truck was the beat up pickup truck. That's an international uh, business today. That's, you know, where, how could that be possible? I mean, you, you, you couldn't start a business without capital on your own uh, then or today. Um, and she didn't have much capital, but she, she knew how to go out and make it work. So, Dr. Hayes, you know, as I mentioned earlier, this is May 27th of 2021. Um, there, businesses were hit pretty hard last year and during the pandemic. How did you see that the franchise business model businesses fared up against independent business owners? Well, depending on the industry, we lost a lot of franchises. Uh, if you weren't an essential business, you had the sh- to shut down for a while. Um, Franchising, as you know, is projected to have a very strong uh, 2021. Even during the pandemic, members of my advisory board, when I would check in with them, would say, we don't know how to explain it, but we are ahead of our numbers, ahead of our projections, in spite of the pandemic, in spite of they couldn't do discovery days. So you couldn't have 20 people come to your office to take a look at buying your franchise. It wasn't allowed anymore. They, they did those by Zoom. They still continued to sell franchises. Uh, on, my, uh, on my website for the Titus Center, there are um, these Zoom uh, sessions that I recorded of franchisors talking about the success they were having in spite of the pandemic. Um, those are still on my uh, website. Uh, they franchise people got very creative, so they figured out how to do things online. Uh, there were some franchisors that sold more franchises during the pandemic year than they had projected to do uh, when it was the end of 2019 headed into the pandemic. They said, okay, well, we'll sell 30 franchises in 2020. Well, they sold 38. Now, how is that possible? Well, again, it's franchising has great benefits to it when people learn what the opportunities are and learn about why franchising 
is successful or how it can be successful. It doesn't work all mm-hmm. the time, and there's no guarantee right. of success. But if you do your homework, and which is what we teach our students at the Titus Center, if you're doing your homework, you're going to be able to buy the right franchise. Right, right. You know, the, the interesting thing is I say everything has a formula to it, and if you follow that formula, you kind of know what the end result will be, something like that. Yeah. So, you know, Dr. Hayes, you've been talking about the, uh, the campus in uh, West Palm Beach. Um, for anyone else in the country, would there, do you have access to that type of training online? Yeah, it's interesting because that's the question that I get everywhere I speak in the world. People will come up and say, hey, I want to sign up for your classes. Well, you can only earn a concentration in franchising if you're a student at Palm Beach Atlantic University, an undergraduate or in our MBA program. Well, I heard that question so many times that I went back and we created the Franchise Academy. And we are currently uh, in the process of recording the videos that we will put online to earn uh, a certificate through the Franchise Academy. So you don't have to be a student at PBA and you can get the, the same education that we're providing through the Franchise Academy. It is not a four degree program. You don't get college credits. You earn a certificate through the Franchise Academy. And um, when we're finished, we will launch it online. We'll have uh, half a dozen or so different modules that address different topics in franchising. And you can complete one module if you want, or you can complete all of the modules uh, if you want. So that information, we, we have a, a page on our uh, TitusCenter.com website that tells people about the Franchise Academy and that uh, I hope that we'll launch it by the end of this year. Okay, very good. And that would be helpful uh, for someone who is wanting to learn more about the franchise business model even before they decide to become a franchisee, right? Yeah, that's important. You need to know mm-hmm. what you need to know. And uh, mm-hmm. getting into it blindly, and I, you know, too many people make that mistake. Uh, they're right mm-hmm. for franchising, but they pick the wrong franchise. And, you know, there right. are 4,000 of them, as I've said, and you, 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 you won't have time to go look at all 4,000 of them. But you could look at 10 of them uh, if you figured out your industry. If, you know, you love senior care and you want to provide, that, that's the kind of service you want to provide, okay, well, go look at it. And there are so many senior care franchises today. Make sure you look at five or six of them. To, to find the one that's in your price range and the one that should be built in the area where you want to build a business and the one that has the best reputation, the one that has a known for their systems. And there, there's a lot of homework, and it's free to do the homework. People don't know that, mm-hmm. but we, we mm-hmm. teach people how to do that. Very good. So um, we're getting down to the end of the show, Dr. Hayes. If somebody's listening right now and they would like to know more about you, about, um, you know, the work you've done, and even checking out your books, where did they go to find that information? Well, the book's very easy, booksbyjohnhayes.com. Most of them are available on Amazon. Some of them are in ebook format, and they're in audiobook format. People will buy audio books more often than they buy the print books. 
Um, so that's that's easy. Booksbyjohnhayes.com. For Titus Center information, franchising information, that's easy. TitusCenter.com. It'll take you right to our site. It's easy to to contact us, um, join our mailing list, come to our upcoming events, which we promote on the site, uh, learn about the Franchise Academy. Uh, everything we have to offer, you can learn about it through TitusCenter.com. Wonderful. So we're down to those final questions here. And the first one is, if there is someone listening, and I know we've probably covered some of this, if there is someone listening who's considering purchasing a franchise, what would you suggest that they do to prepare for the process? Find out what kind of franchise you should buy. Because uh, the franchise that your neighbor bought or your brother-in-law bought uh, might look exciting, might look great, might look fun, might look like a moneymaker, but you're not your neighbor and you're not your brother-in-law. You're, everybody is uh, dis- distinctly um, in, uh, by personality. You know, we have a personality DNA. I teach the DISC profile at uh, the Titus Center. I want students to know what their profile is, and based on that, gives them indication to the type of franchise they ought to own. So it doesn't begin at, well, how much does it cost? That's the wrong question. Or how mm-hmm. much am I going to earn? Wrong question. Am I a good fit for franchising, first of all? That's the right question. If I am a good fit for franchising, which type of franchise makes sense for me? And there are 75 major industries that use franchising as a, their method of expansion and distribution. you got to know, maybe, maybe you think food is exciting, but your personality doesn't lend itself to being in the food business or the education mm-hmm. business or the, the, the business-to-business type of business. you got to find out what's right for your personality. Very few people do that, unfortunately. It's funny because I recently had a, um, a client reach out to me and, and say they wanted, they're interested in franchising and, um, and they want to, you know, they, want, they were ready to buy a franchise. And so in conversation, he says, well, I, I really want a restaurant. Why do you want a restaurant? Do you have any history? Do you have any experience in restaurants? He said, no, but I really like to eat. And I said, here's my advice for you. My advice for you is to go eat all you want, but you do not have what it takes to run a restaurant. You have to have more experience. A restaurant is a whole different ballgame when you come to running a business. It's very different. Yeah, the margins aren't always that great. That's correct. Uh, I have taught. For the last 30 years, the A to Z's of buying a franchise at franchise expos around the country, the ones sponsored by the IFA. The big one is the International Franchise Expo in New York City. It'll be in September of this year. And so I'll get a couple hundred people who will be in my seminar. 30 years ago, if I said, what kind of franchise do you want to buy? Uh, More than 50% of the hands went up for buying a food franchise. Uh Today, Mm -hmm. it's maybe 10% of the hands will Mm -hmm. go up for buying a food franchise. Yeah, especially since last year. 
You know, the restaurant industry was hit so hard. And, you know, the, yeah. the, the fitness industry was hit really hard. And I'm not saying that we'll ever ha- – we may never see that again in our lifetime. But yeah. you have to look at that. You just have to look at that, don't you think? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's – um, I, I hope we never have another pandemic in our right. lifetime and beyond. But, you know, they're, they're all – it's an issue, but there are many, many other issues that you have to look at before you decide which kind of franchise you're going to get into. And, mm-hmm. you know, there are too many franchisors who aren't going to tell you that because they want to sell the franchise. And, that you know, is they so may, true. Yeah, they may suspect that you're not really as qualified as we would like, but, hey, we need your $30,000 franchise fee to keep afloat. And, um yeah. I, I always say to people, you need to ask the franchisor for the profile, the personality profile of their top 10 franchisees, and then mm-hmm. match it to your profile. And if you're not a match, mm-hmm. you're not going to be in the top 10% of that franchise network, most likely. So mm-hmm. uh, a lot of franchisors don't like me saying that because, uh, you know, if they're trying to make a sale and uh, on a disc scale if they're looking for D personalities that because they do the best and you're an S personality, they're going to find a way to sell you the franchise anyway. But with your mm-hmm. S personality, right. you should, you know, bought a different kind of franchise. Mm-hmm. You know, what I tell people when I start working with them and they want to know why, why would me, and you know, here I am a franchise broker. Why would they want to engage me in this process? And I said, well, not all of them, but a lot of franchisors will give you the brochure version. And that's great. That's lovely, but it's glossy, and it has nothing to do with you. So for me, when somebody comes up and says, what's the hottest franchise out there? I said, that's not the way I work. (laughs) When they ask me that, I say, when they ask me what's the hottest franchise, I say, well, that's the fastest way for you to get burned. But I'll well, tell you, you if you'd like to know. Got to be a fit. And if you're not a fit for franchising and you don't buy the right franchise, and if fit is wrong, you, you might succeed, but you'll probably struggle. When, struggle, you know, had yeah. you just done your homework, you could have been a superstar. You could be in the top yeah. ten of the franchise network. Absolutely, absolutely. So my next question here, John, is um, what are two traits that make a successful franchisee? Number one is be willing to follow somebody else's plan. And many people are not willing to do that. So be humble enough to say uh, it's possible that they know more than I know. And um, by following their recommendations and their system or systems, I'll be successful, even if I find it painful to do and painful could be as little as uh, okay I got to open at six o'clock every morning or uh, I've got to wear a, a funny uh, colored hat and bow tie right. every day or I've got to spend gobs of money on radio advertising that um, doesn't make sense to me well mm-hmm. humble yourself and do what they say you should do and do it for at least six months at least six months mm-hmm. Uh, but there are many people who can't do that, and it's personality-related. 
If you're a D personality, right. you already know. The D personality is Donald Trump. You already know yeah. everything there is to, to need to know. And D personalities mm-hmm. get things done. They set goals and they get, and every franchisor wants those D personalities. So do employers. They want D personalities. But they're not going to follow. They're, they're going to cut corners. They're going to do it their way. Uh, so, mm-hmm. if you, you know, you got that personality, you got to guard against it. You've got to be willing to um, follow uh, the system that the, the, the franchisor teaches. And the other thing yeah. is don't be too hasty. Uh, you, you probably need about six months to become familiar yeah. with franchising and with specific franchise brands. And uh, don't be shy about contacting franchisees in those brands and asking them questions. What happens often is uh, franchisor sends you the disclosure document. You've got to wait your two-week period of time before you can give them any money. You don't really read it. You don't do anything with it. You might glance through it. You might take it to an attorney, uh, probably not a franchise attorney, which is a mistake. Um, mm-hmm. But I always say to people when they ask me about buying a franchise and they say they got the disclosure, I say, okay, just put it aside except for item 20. In an item 20, the franchisor has to list all their franchisees with their contact information. And before you do anything, here are 10 questions for you to go ask 10 franchisees. Any, mini, miny, mo, just pick 10. Get them on the phone. Uh, use a spreadsheet. Ask them these 10 questions. Keep track of the answers. And you'll know at the end of asking those 10 questions whether or not you want to spend the time to read the disclosure. And oftentimes, right. based on what those franchisees will tell you, this is not a good franchise. And, you know, there's no sense spending any time with that. Move on to one of their competitors. Right. One of the things that I'm suggesting my clients to do since the pandemic is to ask that question of the franchisor and the franchisee. How did you support your franchisees, um, you know, during this time? Did you help them to renegotiate the lease? Um, Did you waive loyalties for a period of time? And then to ask that same question to franchisees because, that answer may be a little bit different coming from the franchisee. So I think that's an important question to put on that list as well, to see how the leadership team supported them during a crisis. Um, The final question here, Dr. Hayes, is what you've been in franchising for so long, I'm sure you've seen quite a bit of change over time. What do you see the future of franchising looking like? Well, it's so creative and so many opportunities that even I will sometimes say, that's a new one for me. Mm -hmm. I I had no idea that that Mm -hmm. could be done. I'm thinking of uh, the guy who um, um, has the um, rock, rocks, uh, huge rocks that you put out in your yard. Um, Oh, yes. uh, Mm -hmm. Order magic. Um, Yep. And... um, Boulder, boulder magic, I'm sorry. These are huge boulders that you can engrave your family name and put it out at your end of your driveway, or you put it in front of your business, or you put it at your school. You can buy smaller boulders that can sit on your desk or can be decorative in your backyard. Um, And you make these boulders in your garage. They're not really as – they look like boulders, but they don't weigh They're Mm man-made. Yeah. And uh, 
what an interesting business that's become. Um, mm-hmm. But even, you know, I remember when, uh, when bathtub refinishing came, be, started to become a product and the Dwyer group, Don Dwyer being my client at the time, bought something out of Dallas called new tub. And um, nobody knew what that meant. Well, he turned that into uh, Dreammaker Bath and Kitchen. So they don't only do um, refinishing bathtubs, they went on to do a whole remodeling business. And, um, you know, that, th- these are the amazing things that happen in franchising. They'll continue to happen. And uh, the pandemic has actually shown light on franchising as uh, opportunities for so many people. And it's made franchisors more creative because things that they used to do offline, they could no longer do. So, so much absolutely. of it now is online. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And everyone had to get creative. Um, and, yeah. and that's a good thing. That, you know, that's a great thing when that happens. Yeah. So, you know, I tell you what, Dr. Hayes, we're down to the end of the show. Uh, again, if someone is listening and they'd like more information about you and the work that you do, what's, where's the best place for them to get that information? TitusCenter.com. Easy enough. Wonderful. Wonderful. Thanks so much for taking time out of your busy day, Dr. Hayes, to uh, educate us and to um, really shed light on the power of the franchise business model. I really appreciate this. Well, Linda, it was a pleasure to be with you and your audience, and I hope I hear from lots of folks, and I'll be happy to help them. Sounds very good. So, folks, just as Dr. Hayes says, you know, it's, there, it is a lot of work, and I always say that uh, being in business, whether you're an entrepreneur, small business owner, whether you're a franchise owner, uh, it is not for the faint at heart, and it is a lot of work involved. But it, the potential is amazing if you align yourself with the right concept. Um, so I want to leave you, as always, I want to leave you with a quote, and this is an Anthony Robbins quote, and it goes like this. Every problem is a gift. Without problems, we would not grow. That's exactly what we did in 2020. You heard Dr. Hayes talk about how so many franchises had to get creative. That's what happens when there's a problem. Don't see it as a problem. Just see it as a, a challenge and an opportunity to maybe create something new. Folks, thanks so much for joining me on All Things Franchising, and I'll see you next time. Another great episode of All Things Franchising is now in the books. You can listen to past shows by following All Things Franchising on Facebook and Twitter. Thank you for joining us today, and be sure not to miss us next time when we bring you a brand new episode of All Things Franchising. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. 
In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.